0: let's do this. How are you? what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. How's it going? What day are we on Jews? I've I've been lighting candles alone usually a little later than I should. but it's been okay. It's been good. It's been good connecting with that thread. I turns out, as I told you uh, a few days ago, that I did have a box of candles that I did not get through the last time I began lighting candles, maybe last year or the year before. It's, uh, it's sort of uh, a random thing. I usually do one or two. I usually get a few candles done. But, uh, but yeah, I've been going at it, doing the prayer, thinking the thoughts, wearing the hat. Th- I, I think we need to do it. I think it's time to do it. I heard a horrible thing. Uh, I was talking to a door person at the comedy store and there was a business down the street that wasn't going to put a menorah out in display uh, this year because of fear of vandals. Well, that's uh, that's not great. Now, is it that the base of anti-Semitism has expanded to such a degree that uh, the conflation of Israel with all Jews has had this impact where a business here in Los Angeles cannot put a menorah out to celebrate Hanukkah or acknowledge it. Scary times, man. But uh, I hope you're having a nice Hanukkah, if possible. Uh, I got a present last night. I rarely get presents. Kit gave me a shirt. Very nice. So it feels like a, a Hanukkah, like a real one. They adjusted. I know I talked to you a few days ago about this, but they made an adjustment at the comedy store. I think after I commented on the massive amount of giant Christmas presents on the main room stage stacks. It was just enveloped in giant Christmas presents and a tree with one menacing looking menorah off stage, right? Just this stealth black industrial looking menorah enveloped by the festivities of Christmas. And you know, look, I I can't account. Well, you can account for it. I mean, Hanukkah decorations are different. You know, you got a dreidel, you got some geld, you got the menorah, you got the candles, but that's it, man. You know, this is, you know, this is a celebration of freedom from oppression. And on the other side of it, it's the birth of God. It's hard to compete with. In decoratively speaking, over the years, there hasn't been a lot of additions to the uh, Hanukkah arsenal of decorations. There seems to be very limited, whereas Christmas, there's just no end to it. Trees, tinsel, Ornaments, Santa's presents, stars, Jesus's, man, mangers. We've just got the candelabrum, baby, and a top. So today, Peter Sarsgaard is on the show, an actor who I always enjoy, always, and was always curious about. Uh, You know him from things like Boys Don't Cry, Shattered Glass, Garden State, Black Mass, The Batman. And The Lost Daughter, he's in a new movie called Memory and his performance won Best Actor at this year's Venice Film Festival. I watched the movie and I thought it was great. We had a great conversation. I actually had to, uh, I did something I, I rarely do on this show. I had to ask him to uh, tell his wife, Maggie Gyllenhaal, that uh, I was, I apologize for something, that I don't know if Maggie knew, but it would would have been hard for her not to know. But I, something I felt bad about when she was on the show, and I hope that message gets to her. And I carried it with me for a long time, and I never repeated the mistake that I made. You can you'll hear uh, in the show gigs. Los Angeles, I'm at Largo tomorrow, December 12th. And again, on January 9th, Dynasty Typewriter, this Wednesday, December 13th, as well as the 28th and the Elysian on Friday, December 15th and Friday, the 22nd. Preparing for the theater shows, which start in San Diego at the Observatory North Park on Saturday, January 27th for two shows. San Francisco at the Castro Theater on Saturday, February 3rd. I'll be introducing a screening of McCabe and Mrs. Miller on February 4th at the Roxy Theater in San Francisco. Get tickets at roxie.com. Portland, Maine. I'm at the State Theater on Thursday, March 7th. Oh, man, it's going to be cold. Medford, Massachusetts. Outside Boston at the Chevalier Theater on Friday, March 8th. Providence, Rhode Island at the Strand Theater on Saturday, March 9th. Terrytown, new york at the Terrytown music hall on sunday march 10th atlanta georgia i'm at the buckhead theater on friday march 22nd i'll be in austin texas at the paramount theater on thursday april 18th as part of the moon tower comedy festival you can go to wtfpod.com slash tour for tickets you know it was interesting because i went and did some adr which is uh you know i don't even know what that stands for is that ridiculous And I always think to look it up, but it's where you go do the voice. like after a movie's done and they need some lines, some wild lines, you need to do a sentence more clearly and you stand at a mic and sync up with the screen. Uh, That's ADR. And I did some ADR work for the movie, The Order, which is the movie uh, that Jude Law's company is making. It's about The Order, the first real domestic terrorist, kind of Nazi domestic terrorist organization who uh, robbed some banks, but also killed the radio personality Alan Berg in Denver? That's what talk radio was based on. And i I was asked to play Berg, and I couldn't not play Berg. I, I had no choice but to play Berg. So I got in the booth over there, and the director Justin Kurzel, was, you know, on being zoomed in, and I saw some of the footage for the first time, and. You know, I'm not in it for that long. There's scenes of me on the mic and then there's uh, a scene of me getting gunned down in my driveway. But the stuff on the mic, I was surprised because I, you know, I when I'm on a set, I can't see how it's all going to come together. When I look at you know the clutter on a set or what set deck does, sometimes there's so much stuff around and I'm like, this wouldn't be here. Why is this here? This seems like it's cluttered. But this happens on every set I've ever been on. And then it just adds tone. The thing looked great. And I combed my hair like Berg and I had a beard. And I, I studied Berg a bit. And I tried to put in place a subtle, slight remnant of a Chicago accent, which I stayed in most of the time. I was sort of surprised because I don't know if that works. I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm just watching it. And then he had me improvise so much stuff as Berg on the mic, you know, just talking and, and running through a lot of stuff and doing take after take to get the tone. And uh, it looks fucking awesome. But it struck me watching it, some of the stuff that Alan Berg was saying, me as Berg, but Alan Berg. And I don't, I, I can't remember, some of it was in the script, some of it I I riffed. But there was something about people, believing that people are are, are fundamentally decent. And sometimes that's, get, it gets very difficult because, well, here's the thing. When, when you say somebody spends so much time in their head or or people spend so much time alone, they are engaged to something much bigger than themselves, which unfortunately is not a spiritual force, but it's whatever they're, they're involved with and surrendering their brain to on the internet or on their phone. So a lot of us don't feel alone, but ultimately we are in our head and we are letting our head make choices about where we let our head go. And no matter how connected you feel through your phone or through the information you're taking in or watching, and even if you're there with other people interacting, it's still your head. It's still your head. You know, when you're having a mediated experience, it is still your head. I mean, arguably, it's all still your head. But but what you're filling your head with, the extension of your brain being the information that you're engaging with and taking in is still your head. And the reason I'm saying this is as I get older and and not more cynical, but more frightened and certainly more filled with panic, I'm fortunate in my work in that you, know, I see a bunch of different people all the time. If I go do comedy and I hang out at the comedy store, there's audience members, there's other comics, there's, there's the people that work there. There's, it's just, it's a, a, a communal experience and I'm constantly engaged with people. And here in the studio, I'm talking to people that I don't know and, and locking in like that. And like the other night uh, I went out to dinner with uh, Tim Heidecker and Tom Sharpling. And that doesn't happen very often. Cause I, I I have a social circle, but I don't spend enough time with people. and we're all peers we're we're all uh, co-workers in the comedy community and just spending time with people because the thing that struck me about the Allenberg monologue was just that you know if you just you know spend a little time with with other people, they yeah, granted you don't you don't know what they're thinking and granted that it might be in passing. but I'm always sort of amazed at you know that in moments. Most of the time, people show up for people. And the more separate we become through communities online or, or through ideas that become malignant and viral in our own heads, it's just there is no immediacy of, of interaction that's visceral. And I get very affected lately by, by interspecies animal videos of animals helping other animals, other species of animals. It kills me. It just kills me to watch, you know, a shark, a giant shark deliver a sea turtle who's got netting around his neck and is, is, is having a hard time breathing delivers the turtle to a fishing boat. And, and then the, the guy in the boat cuts the thing off the turtle's neck. And it's just like, that's what we're built to do. When you see a kitten with a monkey, you know, we're just kittens and monkeys And, you know, life is life. And the idea of nurturing or looking out for even other species is innate. And I think some people have more capacity for that. Take care of your doggy, your kitty, your parrot, your fish, whatever. You know, you can put a lot of love into a fish. You can put a lot of love into a doggy or a kitty or a rodent of some kind or a reptile if you're that guy. But somehow there's a drop off when it comes to other people because there's a wariness, you know, and I can't hang on to any sort of hope. And I know there's incredible evil going on in the world on many fronts. And the the, the sheer scope of death and destruction is it, it's almost overwhelming and, and you know, self-annihilating to engage your empathy with it. But it's it's important. But just in the day to day, like the fear that fills me every day about tribalization and the this or that nature of culture, us and them good and evil nature of the way culture is being divided by people with intent. My, my big concern becomes that there's no way to engage, you know, with, with other people. And I guess my Hanukkah wish or holiday wish or, or just spiritual wish for for all of us is to somehow engage with each other and to find some path towards bridging gaps, some path towards peace. I don't even know what I, I I'm I'm really talking about because I, you know, I am too cynical to believe a lot of what I'm saying. <laughs> but I don't know. Am I really the guy that's gonna put love into the world? I don't know. But uh I, I can I can open it up in such a way that I'll 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 give you some sad laughter. You want that laughter that's almost crying? I'm your guy. So now, Peter Sarsgaard, man, I watched him like three times in Black Mass recently because it was on HBO and I was on the road and I just drop into that movie wherever possible. And I was always excited to see uh, Peter. The movie that uh, he's in that's getting a limited release in theaters December twenty second opening. Nationwide on January 5th is Memory and it's a devastating and ballsy movie. Uh, beautiful stuff. So, this is me talking to uh, Peter Sarsgaard. First off, I just need you to do me a favor. Yeah, I, mean, I, I gotta get this off my chest because I carry it with me. Okay. Uh, you need to tell your wife, I'm sorry. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> well, when she was here, it was, I don't know, it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I talked to her, and it was about that. It wasn't about the the Lost Daughter movie. That was what it was called, right? Mm-hmm. The one before that. What was the one before that? Sort of the, the teacher. The,
1: the Oh, the kindergarten
0: teacher. Yes. Yeah. So she was here for that. And look, man, generally I'm on top of this shit. And I know her, I know her work and everything, but I didn't get all the way through that movie. <laughs> so when I was talking to her about it, and I don't do this, uh-huh. you know I kind I kind of faked it a little bit because I felt bad,- uh-huh. and there was a moment where she realized that I hadn't seen the movie, oh, and I'm sure she told you, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was, it was, yeah. But I felt bad that that I I tried to fake it.
1: You know what? I would say that's the difference between she and I is I would just kind of like faked it with you. Oh yeah. I'd right? be like, yeah, obviously you didn't see it, but that's cool. <laughs> but you
0: would have <laughs> just known that
1: and taken that away with you. Yeah, but I think it's a good quality in her. I mean, she, um, you get someplace and yeah. call people
0: out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it was. I just felt bad because I, you know, a lot of times. I won't fake it. Like, if someone's talking about something that I don't really know, I'll just go like, oh, right. You know, like, yeah, I, yeah. I won't say I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. But if in
0: the middle of a conversation, I'll just let them talk.
1: Well, I've – it took me a while to get into the habit of, you know, people frequently will assume I know a lot of things that I don't know. And they'll say – and you've seen that movie by, you know, whatever fancy director. And because they really want me to have seen it, you yeah. know, you sort of sometimes will just be like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> say whatever you want to say about it. Obviously, I don't. I'm going to interrupt your train. Yeah. If I, I if I put the brakes on it.
0: That's right. Right. You can rationalize your small lie uh-huh. as as being respectful to the person talking. One
1: hundred percent. And and the point is going to be the thing anyway, not the movie. Right, like usually they're right. making a point
0: that it has to do with the movie. Sometimes so, I forget movies. How old are you? I'm fifty two. Do you I, like sometimes I've, I there's it's getting to the point now where I've seen movies and I don't know what the fuck they're about
1: anymore. No, I, I find it difficult to actually sit through most movies unless I'm at the theater, because I feel like our attention spans have just gone down
0: the toilet. I think that's true. Yeah. I think that if you go to the movies, you probably have a better shot at remembering it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and then you have the communal experience, and you know you can't yeah. pull out your cell phone because somebody's yeah. going to whack you in the head, which yeah. is fantastic.
0: I, uh, you know, here's another thing that's personal. I, uh, I, I think we were almost going to work together. Oh, when we were? Right. I, I don't know if did you do that movie in Munich yet? I did September fifth. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, I was offered the Marv part. Oh, you would have been great. I know. What happened? I don't live an actor's life. <laughs> you know, like, the idea at that moment to be like, go to Munich for two months, yeah. you know, at right, you know, in three weeks. Yeah. And also, I felt like, you know, and I, I haven't seen the movie, and I, the, I respect the filmmaker because he was so diligent in, in the facts. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, Tim. That, like, that Marv was sort of a sideline character. I mean, he came in and out. Yeah. But I don't feel like, like, there wasn't a ton to to work with in my mind. That's true. But it's...
1: Uh, that whole script is kind of being intercut with documentary footage.
0: Well, I didn't know that. So,
1: yeah, the actors are really a part of it. Oh, you know,
0: how did it uh, feel? How did it go? It went well. I, you know, I was doing
1: this TV show with Jake at the same time. Yeah. Called Presumed Innocent. So yeah. I filmed that, and then I went to Munich and did that, and then I came back. And so I didn't really see my family for a while. So when I was in Munich, yeah. For me, if I'm away from my family for more than two weeks, and by that time it had been a month, I, yeah. I, I'm not enjoying much of anything.
0: I don't even have a family, but that <laughs> stops me from uh, from committing to acting more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, is that part of your decision making? It's sort of like how long and where? Oh, that is a large part of my
1: decision making. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, there are movies like this one, like, you know, Memory, memory which, you know, it was shot. I had lunch at my house, and then I would go and shoot it. It shot in Sunset Park, which is, you know, a bike ride from my house.
0: Where's that? In New York? In, in Brooklyn, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I saw the movie, and I uh, and I think it's great. So, that's, that's a selling point.
1: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but it, that one was like the best of all worlds. It's a total oh, actor God. piece, and then it's right next to my house. And that's pretty rare. My wife is going to direct a film that I'm going to act in in March, and that shoots in New York. So... We've only got a couple more years to go of this sort of New York lockdown mode because um, I got a 17-year-old and an 11-year-old and, you know... Oh, really? A couple more years. Well, you got... Well, yeah. I got I'll a fair number. Seven.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> not like I'm counting <laughs> we, them down. We, we might have to leave the country in three. <laughs> we we very well might, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the new movie, like, I watched it and I didn't know what it was about. Yeah. I've, I've seen you a lot lately for some reason. I was... I was on the road a bit, uh, you know, doing stand-up, and I, and I was watching HBO in hotel rooms. And, uh, they, you know, I watched Black Mass like, three times yeah, in different yeah. pieces. And when I, when I first saw that movie, I had a hard time getting past, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Depp's Nosferatu version of Whitey. but, <laughs> but I think he would like that issue. <laughs> I
1: think you should tell him that.
0: But uh, it was just a makeup issue. But once I got past it, yeah. it it's a pretty great movie. Yeah, he's a great director. And, he is. I've yeah, yeah. interviewed
1: him. Great. Yeah.
0: Have you done other movies with him?
1: No, but my wife did Crazy Heart with him, so I've known him for a very long time, Scott. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing another movie at the time. Oh,
0: my God. You're doubling up all over the place.
1: Yeah, so that I did kind of in the middle of the other film, which was called Experimenter, and which is why I had to wear a fake beard in Experimenter. Which was turned out to be a big problem, and I'll never do that again.
0: Really? Why the stickiness, or are people seeing it? Well, a
1: low-budget film doing yeah. a beard on you means like you're not really going to be able to open your mouth. <laughs> it's like wearing a strap around your jaw. Uh, and then Scott asked me to come up and do that part, and it was super fun. Was it like three days? Yeah, I just swung for the bleachers. I, I no, I thought long. it was
0: great. There's a moment there where uh, where you're walking away with the bag, and you you know that it's. not a great thing, but you're like, thanks.
1: Yeah. It's fun
0: to play someone who is
1: so strung out. That character was... And terrified. Terrified. Just right to the edge. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, come do me a favor, be in my movie for three days and the stakes are in 11.
0: Yeah. And you get to get shot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you get to shoot people.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Quick scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got to act with Johnny and Jesse Plemons at the same time.
0: And that other guy, what's his name, Bill... Oh, yeah, yeah, who's
1: in all of his movies. Well, Bill Camp.
0: Yeah, Bill Camp, that's right. But then there's right. yeah. also,
1: yeah, Bill Camp was in that scene, but then there's- Rory. The other, Rory, that's oh, right. That guy's deep, man. He, <laughs> I've talked to him. He's he's great.
0: Yeah. Like, you, know, like, you don't want to, he's one of those guys, that it's not even a boundary thing. You're just sort of like, no, I'm going to leave him be.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really, Jesse Plemons was the one in that movie where I was like, He ate in every scene. The amount of food he was eating on
0: camera was astounding. And that's like a pain in the ass to eat on camera. I never do it. I mean... You try to avoid it? Are you like just hold the fork midway kind of guy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like also with smoking in movies too, which I hate doing. I don't smoke. You know, you just have to hold the cigarette. You don't actually have to put it in your mouth.
0: Yeah, because then you're, you, it's all, all of a sudden it's on you for continuity. No. Like, because the script is only going to know so much. No, no, no. But they, they can cut around everything. And then when you start to watch yourself in movies, you realize, like, it doesn't fucking matter.
1: Oh, exactly. the continuity does not matter. And then on memory, it's like he shoots everything in a one-er. Really? Yeah. So there's no coverage in the movie. I don't know if you noticed this. There's one piece of coverage which he actually shot at the end. He went back and said, I think we need one piece of coverage in this scene. Yeah, but for the rest of the time, every scene plays out. You know, the cameras on sticks, sitting in the corner, really pointing at you, and you just do the whole scene.
0: And what's that guy's story? He's a Mexican director.
1: Yeah, he's Mexican and Jewish. Yeah, um, his dad is from Haifa, I believe, uh, is ethnically Syrian. Yeah, and his mother are from Juarez, and his his mother's from Haifa. Wow. Uh, yeah, dad from Juarez, mother from Haifa. And he's just such an interesting guy. Did you watch his other movies? I'd seen all of his other movies, yeah. Because I don't know that I have. Oh, yeah. So he worked with Tim Roth on several of them. Yeah. Uh, The last one was Sundown, which was great. Tim Roth and Charlotte Gainsbourg. Um, But, you know, After Lucia was, I think, his first movie that I ever saw. His films typically have endings that make you throw something at the screen.
0: This one didn't? (laughs) No, it could have. Of course, it could have, but like oddly, it turns out to be a love story in the last beat. In a way,
1: I had, <laughs> I had the ending for him that was the Michelle Franco ending. And I kept saying, "You sure you don't want to just uh, do this ending? Burn it down?"
0: Like, nah, nah, what nah, would nah, that nah. ending have been? Maybe if I
1: introduced myself.
0: Oh, oh, that's Hi, interesting.
1: I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought the ending was kind of sweet because it's a relentless movie.
1: It's a relentless movie. I thought we kind of needed that ending in the end, and it made the most sense. You know, the the thing about this love story is these two people are together because no one else will have them. I mean, on some level, right? I mean, not many people want to get with a guy who's...
0: And they don't have themselves either no, in some way, Yeah, right?
1: She's a woman who's had this trauma in her past, right? She's a traumatized person. Yeah. The thing about traumatized people is... They suffer the trauma, and then they suffer the way other people treat them constantly. People treat them like trauma victims. Or
0: if they don't know they're trauma victims, you know, if you're a traumatized person or broken in a certain way and your emotional needs are are, are mutated, mm-hmm. that you attract something. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So so it's not even a matter of whether people know or not that I think if you really go to the core of all this stuff, family trauma or, or childhood trauma— that because you're I don't want to say broken but uh hobbled in a certain way you're a magnet for people who are hobbled in the uh, symbiotic yeah. way that matches that
1: and exactly and so I am that perfect perfect symbiotic match because I can't remember the trauma that she tells me you know there's that scene where she I say can I write that down she says yes the thing about the, a lot of these people with early onset dementia that I talked to I said do you just write things down they go yeah but then I don't look at what I wrote down really so that yeah. the
0: decision now because and I don't want to spoil the movie but I think that people should see the movie because this is one of those kind of movies that's heavy hmm. and that people you know may or may not see because of you know their trauma
1: right well people don't like to feel bad or <laughs> think about anything when they go to the movies, but um the thing about this one is I actually think most people come out of the movie emotional, right? I mean, yeah. Definitely the audiences are emotional, but they're not like in despair. There's something about the movie that just takes off right at the last moment, as you say. Well,
0: I you know? think all the way through it, I, I think once you adjust to the idea that you're dealing with somebody with dementia too young or early onset, yeah. which I, I don't know that a lot of people experience, but certainly... Most people experience dementia now. Yeah. Most people have somebody in their family that has it. Yeah. yeah. Or have been through it. Yeah. And I think that, because I was thinking about the other movies uh, that really deal with it, there was that Still Alice movie. Mm-hmm. And then that The Father, that was crazy. Yeah, but they're all further along, Yeah, that's right, right. right. And, same, and the other one was away from her. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Still Alice is not that further along. It I mean, isn't. Julianne Moore is not as early. I never onset. saw
1: that one. Is it? Is yeah. It? I mean, that's the moment too of like. So my my uncle had CTE. He he played football and he boxed. Oh. And so he had a version of dementia that obviously comes from plaque on the brain, as right. we all know right. everything. And um, you know, there's that those years right before you're diagnosed with dementia. When you have dementia, you just don't have the diagnosis, where everyone's going like. What's your problem?
0: Oh, really? I worry about that. My dad's got dementia now, but he's 85. Yeah. But then I'm sort of like, is it coming? What did I eat for breakfast? Yeah. What happened yesterday?
1: We, many of us are in cognitive decline. Period. Period. I think. After a certain age. Yeah. I mean, chess players, there are no champions of the world that are in their 60s.
0: What about the ones that were <laughs> champions? Can they still not nail they it? They can
1: still play, but like weirdly, it is like a young person's thing.
0: Why? Well, because I notice. I, noticed I well, did you ever watch that Glenn Campbell doc? It's a weird doc. No. Well, he had dementia. Glenn Campbell, the guitar player, country music. Mm, no, I'm yeah. great guitar player. <sighs> and. uh and, like, he was pretty deep into dementia, but his his wife let him keep working because it, it connected him to it. He could still do the thing.
1: That's right. Of course he could. I'm sure he could do it for a very long time without having dementia.
0: But the, 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 the most touching thing about it was uh, when the audience reacted, mm-hmm. like, he couldn't identify the feeling of getting that kind of love. And so he would wow. scratch the back of his neck because it would tingle. When they would, wow. like applaud, but he didn't he react. Didn't know what the
1: tingle was right.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. It was that's so sad, a, that's but beautiful.
1: Amazing. There's actually a piano in the movie um, that's in my character's apartment because he doesn't do any production design. You know, he just walks in and goes. Okay, cool, let's move really? the water rower. Yeah, there's no production design.
0: He just gets a location and says, this is okay? We're
1: moving in. This is your place. And a single guy lived there whose wife had passed away. In Brooklyn. Uh-huh, and she was a redhead, and she's actually in the photo album that she's going through, and there's an implication that that, is, that was my wife. We used his right. well, deceased that's, wife well, that was my the, wife.
0: that was the amazing thing about the movie in terms of, I don't know, because like, by the end, you know, I don't— Well, it's about memory, right? So. Mm-hmm. How did you when you were thinking about? Did you were you guilty of what she accused you of?
1: Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. No, but I think you know the beauty in the movie is that we have the actress Merritt Weaver who comes in and has says she's great. She's great. She's always great. Always great, and she does this thing where she says, "No phone calls, yearbooks. It's not him." Right. And right. And she does that in such a way that I think it really slams the door on it. I did, know? too. Yeah, I yeah. did, too,
0: because there is, like, there is a lot of uh, odd suspense to the movie. Yeah, right. You know? But it's all driven by the emotions of these damaged people.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he makes films in a way that you kind of couldn't, you know, just from the screenplay, imagine the movie. Like, yeah. when I got the screenplay, he calls it—he says in Spanish, the word means guide. So we didn't really improvise. The word,
0: uh, the word, the title of the film. No,
1: the word for scri- script. Oh,
0: guide. Is, oh, interesting. Guide.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So
1: he was always like, "Let's use it as a guide." Jessica was did a lot of um, protecting the writer from the director. She said,
0: "Oh, see, she wanted she, to she was stick into, by into the, the guide." Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm somebody who's quite into mixing it up and seeing what. Three people come up with versus one guy writing in a room. Yeah. So we did some of that. Um, but, yeah, I think there's only one truly improvised scene in the entire movie. Which one? The one uh, where we're putting away dishes and I talk about my wife playing the uh, Hammond organ or wanting
0: a Hammond Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that one. So you spend time with people with early onset?
1: Yeah the way I did it was you know it's weird when you're playing an actor and okay oh I have uh, early onset dementia let's go hang out with some people who have early onset dementia and I will sit and study your affliction you know like that's you don't up. usually do that No I I actually I did that very early on I played a quadriplegic in this movie 30 years ago and I hung what out What movie? It was called Freak City me and Samantha Mathis um and Natalie Cole yeah. and a bunch of people. Uh, anyway, and I hung out with this guy who had, was a full quadriplegic. And it was just like, it just felt strange. It felt like a strange thing to do to me. Uncomfortable? And, yeah, it just wasn't right. I can't yeah, put yeah, my yeah. finger on it. Yeah. Um. So I talked to this doctor and I said well, do you have any dementia patients that would just like to chat with me on the phone? It felt a little more anonymous and nice. Yeah. I said, I I think I can get everything I need over the phone. Maybe. Yeah. And so I actually struck up a relationship with this one guy where I would call him every week and we would chat and he would remember that it was me. He, things would have happened. He drove and was still able to drive and stuff. And uh, you could barely detect that he had dementia a lot of the time and then suddenly, Suddenly he would say something or do something where just the whole bottom would drop out. Oh, you're like, like, oh, "Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, but it wasn't like a constant thing. And I didn't want the character to be Mr. Dementia just as like, you know, you get asked, uh, what was the part you last played? Oh, I played a schizophrenic. No, you played Bob who had schizophrenia. Right. I didn't want the condition to be the person. I wanted the condition to be the obstacle Right. Right? Well, that's so, right. That? It,
0: because that's one thing I'm noticing with my father and now my mom's partner who's starting to slip is that, you know, old memories kind of stick around and, and pride, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Like the stubbornness of of not wanting to acknowledge or being in denial about the condition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can – well, because you're preserving your autonomy, you know? I mean – The way that other people act around you when you're diagnosed with dementia is going to determine your experience with it. Right. You know, some people would be like, well, that's it. Let's look for homes to put you in. Or other people could be like, let's figure out, like, how are you driving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do (laughs) do I need to put the GPS thing for you so you can, like, easily operate? (laughs) Should you not drive? There's that question.
0: There is that question. I just saw this uh, Instagram reel. A a, a guy, did, did you see that? I don't know how much you get involved with your phone. But every once in a while, something comes up, and it's all very moving to me, you know, animal Mm -hmm. stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. interspecies animal support kills me. Oh, yeah. It just kills me. It's sort of like they know. They've always known. The animals know. They're in crisis, too. And look, they're fucking helping each other. I watched a shark deliver a sea turtle to a fucking fishing boat. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, they know what's going on. Well, look,
1: we have the Bonobo monkey in us, right? The Bonobo monkey, they say, is one of the most empathetic – critters out there yeah um and then we've also got the chimpanzee who enjoys killing things
0: yeah so like sure we're we're both but i just like when you see a chimp and a kitten like there's just the frequency of life at at different ages and and in crisis like if if you if you're not if you don't generally eat that thing (laughs) and it's it's in trouble and you've got a minute maybe you'll help but but this wasn't the video It was a guy with alts or dementia on a plane who's losing his shit mm-hmm and and it just seems like one of those random airplane – something happens to certain people on airplanes lately. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But he's losing it, and it's threatening, and it's scary, and it's in first class. And his wife keeps saying, he has dementia. And she starts singing You Are My Sunshine. And she's like, this will work. He, he Everyone. It. And they did. Everyone? Yes. <laughs> and he calmed down. Is that the greatest thing?
1: <gasps> that is beautiful. It's I, great. I love unison. I love you know acts of unison. That's like I can't handle. That's it. why I like sports. Oh really? When when you would get like eleven people acting in unison for toward one goal. Yeah. To me, that's you know we have a habit in sports of like going, oh it's all it's Jordan. No, right. it's the Bulls, baby. Yeah, you're you right? Know, yeah, Pippen's yeah. It's out on the corner. Yeah, yeah. And, like. I, I've always been really into soccer in particular. And uh, for me, it's Ronaldinho videos online that I watch all the time, who was the sort of artist of soccer of the last, you know,
0: many yeah. years. It, well, yeah, I mean, the collaboration and the teamwork. I, I never was – I never gravitated toward sports. But – and I find that uh, acts of unison, no matter what they are, just, you know, make me weep. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Like I just, Like, if I see a musical – I'm not even a musical guy, but like within three minutes, I'm like, oh, my God, they're all singing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: made to watch a lot of musicals, you know. Um, You're made to? Oh, you yeah, like them? Well, no, my family, my kids and my wife are just all about musicals. Really? Oh, yeah. Like I, I'm actually listening to Barbara Streisand read from her book right now, yeah. which is a I, I don't know anything about Barbara Streisand except right. what I'm hearing. And they said, oh, you have to watch Funny Girl with us. I go to watch Funny Girl. I mean, she's the pipes are unbelievable. Yeah, I can't believe and she's her. funny, and she's funny. Yeah, and she's she's way off. I didn't realize how what a goofball she is. Totally.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's generational. I mean, she's you know, I barely. I mean, by the time she's my parents' generation, everyone loved Barbara.
1: She went to the same high school as my mother-in-law, Erasmus, with Bobby Fisher, and you know, it it was like a deep Brooklyn. Jewish school at that point. Oh, really? It was like a was two, that, really big school.
0: Was that a, uh, Barry Manilow as well and some other <laughs> probably? People. Like, there's all those people. Like, there, there was. I think that was a story when I was growing up that my grandmother's generation or my mother's day, everyone knew somebody who knew Barbara Streisand or went to school with her.
1: Absolutely. Well, Barbara Streisand got around, you know, town. Yeah, yeah, like even as like a in her teens, she was she was
0: everywhere. Well, when did you start acting? What were you like ten? No, no,
1: no. <laughs> I I didn't really start acting until I was. Maybe twenty in college. I actually had been in college for a while, and uh, I'm a terrible student. Yeah, and um, yeah, I just wound up in an acting class because I'd injured myself playing sports.
0: Wait, and you were and, a soccer guy. Uh, and you said your grandfather was a pro. Or, uh,
1: my uncle, your uncle, played uh, center for LSU, and then he had a career-ending. Uh, special teams play everything bad happens on special teams plays and he um, what is that
0: special teams
1: that's like kickoff returns punt returns where they the entire team just runs at each other top speed with one guy has the ball yeah Um, and And he had a compound fracture on his leg that was just absolute it's soccer no that
0: was football oh real football
1: yeah yeah and then soccer Uh I just
0: said no I didn't mean
1: that (laughs) I mean American football (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and then the boxing probably didn't help. And then he was a fireman and, you know, he did all kinds of things. that Heavy stuff. Him. Yeah. And then I do have relatives that have played professionally for the 49ers, um, Tim Long. And then I have other relatives that played for Georgia. I mean, it's really? crazy. Yeah. Like a bunch of sports people. I'm the smallest person in my family. Where'd you grow up? Um, I'm from St. Louis, really. St. Originally. Louis? Yeah. I was yeah. just there. Were you really? Yeah. What were you doing in St. Louis?
0: I did a comedy club.
1: W- in University City, I bet.
0: It was over, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. It, it's sort of in a mall, kind of, by a Whole Foods. Oh, There's oh, a no. Chinese restaurant That doesn't there.
1: sound like my St. Louis. Well, I'm just trying to, no. <laughs> that was, sounds like every place USA.
0: Well, that happens on the outskirts of most places USA. <laughs>
1: well, that was the thing that was always really cool about St. Louis that I liked, yeah. you know, that I would come back and it was the same
0: but. I think I like I I like those small cities. The more I travel around, like uh, there's something about these cities that try to sort of adjust cuz they all get kind of abandoned. Yeah. Uh, you know with with um people leaving the the downtown area, right? So there's all these great American cities that are not really functioning as cities anymore, and eventually, you know, some new generation of of uh of uh, gentrifiers you know, comes in and, and tries to make it vital again.
1: Oh, yeah. And, I mean, in St. Louis, there are all these houses from the 1904 World's Fair that are like... A nickel? Unbelievable. Like a nickel, yeah.
0: <laughs> but, like, I, it's one of those places where it obviously had its own thing, its own charm, and it seems okay, yeah. other than it's surrounded by Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a, the, the problem with, like, because I talk a lot about, uh, you know, c- certain types of politics, but these the ideas of, you know, blue cities... Yeah. In these like, you know, literally fascist states. Yeah. I mean, all they're holding on to is that they're being allowed to exist because the economy requires the in, you know, the influx of money from these blue cities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, St. Louis has the little problem of, of race issue that is yeah. still going on, obviously. Horrible you know, problem. Horrible problem, yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, but East St. Louis is still a place that people... You know, when I was growing up, people would be like, oh, don't go to East St. Louis. Don't, you know, accidentally get off the highway and pay for anything there that would give their community money. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. You know, buy, fill up your car with gas there or yeah. do anything there. And, right. of course, that perpetuates yep. the whole fucking thing. Yeah, you know?
0: but but growing up there, it was okay,
1: St. Louis, yeah. Oh, it was great. I mean, I lived there till I was ten. Then I lived in Oklahoma City. Wow. Um, and Oklahoma City was—I've been there—still uh, in the boom. So we had DeLoreans. So you had like Native American people, predominantly. The you know where it was, the the level of the disparity with what was going on in the reservation, the Osage Reservation there, and. The DeLoreans that were happening. DeLoreans? Outside. Yeah, I remember DeLoreans
0: everywhere. Elon Musk just made a DeLorean. He did? Basically. Oh,
1: the, okay, the, the truck? Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. <laughs> a, I looked at him like this didn't work once.
1: I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if all those people are just stoned,
0: you know. Well, the, well, he, <laughs> he's on a spectrum of problems, and I believe on the spectrum. So, you know, there's a lot of— uh, A, a lot, lot of very successful, wealthy people are on the spectrum. Well, that's interesting because the character you played in Memory is the opposite of that because he's he's sort of moving on. All All he has is emotions.
1: All I have are emotions, and all I have is the current moment. It is like a complete gift to an actor to play a part like this because— you know this whole idea of like where I'm coming from and yeah. where I'm going and all that that we all get caught up in. You know, yeah, your choices. All your choices. There's no
0: choices. <laughs> you're just in you're just moment. like yeah, like the ball's getting hit to you and you fucking you hit it back. So what's go, like, like I've talked to Chastain. She's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's like fucking amazing. But so, she's
1: very different than I am. Being as on, an actor. Yeah, just on a on a basic work level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's like somebody who's more. Gets freedom as an actor from order, from control, right? Like she creates yeah. a situation for her that's that so works, funny. yeah, and then that gives her freedom. For me, I'm just Mister Fifty Two Card Pickup every yeah,
0: time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so every takes a little different.
1: Always, even when I played, um, I ended up playing Hamlet mostly because my acting teacher at the time, Penny Allen, a very famous acting, yeah, teacher, she her husband had just died. She hadn't acted for a long time, and she wanted to play the mother. Mm. So she she said, we play Hamlet, and I ended up playing Hamlet kind of in a backwards way like that and um i may i the only way I could figure out how to do it was to explore it every night because by the time opening night happened, I was like just scratching the surface of the play, so I thought well, well you got was, you just, got the language yeah, the language i i I'm I'm somebody who can do something like that, but like the
0: meaning. Right. (laughs) You were just scratching the surface. I
1: was just scratching the surface. So every night I would like try different entrances, different exits. I would try entirely different things. Yeah. And um, because I thought at the very least we'll have spontaneity in life. Yeah. Because I don't know any of the answers. Right, right. (laughs) I mean, a lot of the meaning in Shakespeare comes from the rhythm, you know. And uh, I actually think that, we communicate very little verbally, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that so much of what you and I are communicating right now, yeah. so much of what we're, we're communicating with other people, yeah. is is a different thing. Yeah, and and so I don't. I pretty much follow what Shakespeare's giving me because I think he wrote it. He, sure. It's complicated, and it must help if I go da 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 da. You know? and, and does it? Sometimes and sometimes yeah. you're still just lost, but you know it was written a long time ago. Well, is it, so. well
0: Hamlet's a pretty tormented guy, so
1: yeah, that's the bummer. I I saw this guy do it recently. Pff, actor who's in White Noise, he's phenomenal. Adam Driver? No, no, it, German, I believe actor who's in that movie. Oh yeah, I saw him do it at BAM. I like that movie. He
0: yeah, I like that movie.
1: <laughs> He blew the thing. I was like, "Oh, that's what it is."
0: Like, <laughs> and this like, is after you did it. Oh, it was
1: years after I did it. I went like, ah, "I see, I see." I didn't need to be like shuffling around. It's not good that way. <laughs> he, like,
0: he's a he's a a, a confident, existentially tormented. Oh, guy. this
1: guy was like boisterously. He was boisterous. He was like the kind of guy who's you know the polite. Dinner yeah. does the thing that you're not supposed to, which is what Hamlet is. Yeah. That's why he's interesting. We like those characters that flip the table and go,
0: "This isn't right." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so you were going in inside.
1: I went the other way. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm an it's, only child. You know?
0: Are you? Yeah. It's funny what you say about the different types of actors because I, I dealt with that for three seasons on Glow mm-hmm. with Betty Gilpin and Allison Brie. Mm-hmm, Do mm-hmm. you know Gilpin? Yeah. Like she, you don't know what the fuck she's gonna do. You know what I mean? And it's kind of amazing. But Allison was very controlled. Mm-hmm. Made her choices good, but like totally different schools. You need both. You, you really did. you need both.
1: It's like you know,
0: God. People
1: sometimes ask me who I would like to have acted with yeah. in the past, and I always say Ruth Gordon um, because <laughs>
0: yeah. wow, that's great because.
1: I feel like she and I would have made a mess out of a scene together. It would have been like. Been fun, right? It would have been really fun. Who knows what it would have become? Yeah. And maybe we would have needed a concrete sequential actor around yeah. to keep us, you know, yeah, grounded, somewhat tethered yes, Tethered. to the uh, project at hand. But I mean, you watch her now, even. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and a great writer. Nominated great Adams, for writing. Adam's rib. Yeah. 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 I mean,. And great. a late actor, right? Yeah, Didn't right. act until she was older.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of that. Well, I mean, everyone knows Harold and Maude. I'm just trying to because she was very present for a while.
1: Uh, she, I think, the movie I saw her in yesterday was My Bodyguard. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, movie? yeah, sure, sure. With yeah, Matt, Matt Dillon, Dillon. The, right? He and was the, the bully. He was the bully. Yeah, that movie is really great. That's one of my faves from growing up.
0: What, did, why'd you watch it, you kid? The eleven year old?
1: Yeah, I was like, I I kind of wait. With my kids, when I can watch, like, when you know, like, Breaking Away is another one where I'm like, when are we going to watch Breaking Away? <laughs> did you? Did
0: they like it? They hold they up. They love
1: right? it. Oh yeah, those movies are built on. It's it's because they're built on ideas yeah. that everybody knows. You know, underdogs. Underdog yeah. hires the bully, the the tough guy to guard against the bully. Then he has to fight his own fight at the end. Yeah like yeah it, yeah. You
0: know. Dylan, Matt Dylan, you ever work with him? No, no. that'd be kind of interesting. I worked
1: it? out next to him once and said oh, yeah. hello. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's kind of like working out.
1: You know, I have that going on with Mike Shannon right now where there's a YMCA in Brooklyn and I've started being able to exercise again recently after two years of herniated disc. And so I've been like really working out. Yeah. And then I look over and I'll see Mike who's also just like totally focused on working out and we are doing it parallel play style. Like there's no interaction uh, we yeah. know each other. Yeah. But, like, you know, working out is like
0: yeah, no, using the just toilet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He's a big guy. <laughs> he's a big guy. Yeah.
0: And he just worked with Jessica. They did pretty good. That was a pretty amazing bit oh, of work. Oh, yeah. The and he's doing, and he's
1: doing Waiting for Godot right now, too. Really? He's, I mean, the, I couldn't believe they were singing in the,
0: the George and Tammy. That's them. I know. <sighs> but she's like. He's good in that, but she's, like, insanely good. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, to to do that, the the changing ages and shit.
1: No. And, like, it's no,
0: crazy. No, no, no,
1: I know. And I grew up with her on the radio, you with know, family? like. Well, if, Oklahoma,
0: how'd your family get to Oklahoma?
1: Uh, Air, well, no, that was IBM at that point. My dad went Air Force, Monsanto, IBM, and all of those places move you. And my parents are—my dad's from Mississippi and my mother's from Memphis. Wow, real southern stuff. Yeah, and so a lot of my relatives were Memphis-focused when I was a kid. And then it became Eureka Springs, Arkansas, the little Switzerland of the Ozarks. You you went there? Uh, Yeah, my my Aunt Mary lived there. And uh, I kind of went all around. And then I wound up in Connecticut for high school where—
0: Like a prep school?
1: All boys— not like a fancy one. Yeah. All boys Jesuit school, uh, and I was definitely countrified when I arrived.
0: Well, you don't have any accent.
1: I don't have any accent. I think that Did I you? had one. Yeah, I think I had one at one point. Now, when I get asked to play southern, I can hear that it's wrong. Do <laughs> You know, like I'm. I know it well enough to be like, nope, I'm not doing it. And I've done it. A, like maybe probably 3 or 4 times yeah. you know but uh I just did it in a comedy which felt all right which one it's this comedy called Coup that also went to Venice yeah um but uh again it's like if you if you grew up around something like that it's just like it's very difficult to do my parents have real southern accents you know
0: And it's <laughs> i you know it's a it's a weird thing because in Black Mass, you were lucky; you didn't have to be from Boston. But all those guys did a pretty good job.
1: They did a pretty good job.
0: I mean, I mean, uh, Depp's Boston was great. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a joke. And the other guys, they did good too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that one, I'm. No, you're just like what? I'm. Like no, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I think that I have a pretty Midwestern accent.
0: Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know. You sound uh, uniquely like yourself. I don't. Maybe it's a phrasing <laughs> thing.
1: Yeah, you know who I first played I, when I I played Malkovich's son when I was uh, like second movie.
0: What movie was that?
1: Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, okay. And um, L'homme masqué de fer. Yeah. Um, and he said to me, "You know why they cast you, right?" <laughs> I said, "No, I mean I went through this audition process." And was, oh no, it's it's because you sound like me. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, great." <laughs> <laughs> I mean I I for a while in my own head even I was like, Oh shit, am I just like sounding like Malkovich? He's from Southern Illinois, which is actually where I was born, so maybe it's on the water. Wow. I but he's so he's wild. Was he nice to you? He was nice to me. He's he's quite sophisticated guy. Yeah. You know, like I don't know I, I'm somebody who appreciates art, but I don't know the names of everything. Sure.
0: I saw him in Burn This
1: Oh, wow. I Broadway. did Burn This. You did it? I did burn That this. part? The angry part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must be good. Good fun. God damn this fucking place. How can anybody live in this shit city? I'm not doing it. Like, yeah. it has the longest expletive-laden thing yeah, about yeah. trying to park in New York. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, he was good in that. But, like, lately, usually what I say about Malkovich is anytime you see him in the movie, a mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. there's the movie that he's, you know— an actor a hired actor then the movie he's in like, <laughs>
1: like
0: anytime there's a movie going on and Malkovich is involved he's in the Malkovich movie
1: he's like got a very strong gravitational pull he does man <laughs> yeah, right he really does he's like um it's not even about acting, right? It's, it's just like he sh- he would if he walked into this room right now, the temperature would change. That's just what he does. The intensity. Yeah. We actually, this is a funny story. We were I was filming in Paris. It's like this, I'm young and getting to live there. And my girlfriend comes and she's tiny. Yeah. And uh, he said, you want to play basketball? Me and Russ, his producing partner. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah, sure. We go out. You know, I don't really play basketball. My girlfriend's tiny. And they are just relentless. Yeah. They're playing like they're playing against people who know how to play. (laughs) (laughs) They're boxing her out. They're knocking her to the ground and stuff.
0: I mean, yeah. You're not that kind of sportsman.
1: I, I, I actually, my problem with being a sportsman when I was really into soccer is I didn't really care about winning. I mean, not in a way where I was like being nice. It just was kind of meaningless
0: to me. Was it meaningless? Is that a real feeling or is that like a. a I think it's a real
1: feeling. I think I'm like uh, into aesthetics. And so I wanted it to look good. So if we won two to nothing and the ball was like an own goal and yeah. a shot the goal should have saved. I don't I don't care. Yeah. I, I wanted to if it looked all looked really good. Yeah, that's good. That's that's what I want. Yeah.
0: Because I, I don't I don't I don't think of myself as competitive, but I, I think uh, it's a lie.
1: You think it's a lie? Well, I'm like that about the maybe about awards. You know, yeah. they, when people ask me about winning these awards and stuff, <laughs> you know, it's like there is, a, of course, a large part of you that is just like, I want the thing. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like it's 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 like human nature. They it could be anything, and many of these awards are not attractive
0: objects. But they're not, it, no, they're, <laughs> it doesn't matter the thing. My Volpi Cup is has started to fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you get that for? Uh, I
1: won Best Actor of Venice, and and like the plaque for which movie? For Memory. Oh, just now. Just now, won Best Actor for it. the 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 plaque that says my name on it yeah. slid off the front and fell to the floor. Garbage. <laughs> It's Willem garbage. Defoe told me it was going to gradually turn black, and I should overspray it.
0: Oh, it's that's a nice detail about <laughs> Defoe that he's polishing his fucking awards.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Willem, I didn't mean to out you, but he did. He <laughs> he's
0: he's on top of that shit. It's
1: like let me tell you something about the Volpe. You're going to need to do some overspray.
0: <laughs> but I think my lack my competitiveness, like with awards, I've just surrendered now to 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 believing or trying to believe i'm i'm just not going to win anything.
1: Right, which makes you special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, i'm the one that's bucking the system of of appreciation. You're cardamom in a world of salt.
1: <laughs> Everyone else is just
0: salt. I got honored <laughs> at some uh organization that does uh, grief counseling and it was like just this general award for uh for grieving publicly and i'm like, "Well, this is kind of a lifetime achievement award." <laughs> I think as a comic, that's what I've been doing. Public <laughs> sadness is really this is really my lifetime achievement award. Well, that's the
1: thing about humor, right? Is it, it it exists a lot of times in those places that are a little dangerous and uncomfortable, and I really don't know how people do funny in the world the way it is right now. You know, well,
0: well there seems to be a, a few things going on in terms of, like I, I, I don't know. There, it seems in a polarized. Country, there are people that are operating in in this world of of uh, you know pseudo grievance around speech that you know the the risks that are being taken there aren't really worthy of much attention. Yeah, that's right. But you know, for for me, just as as a guy who's trying to create new stuff, I, it, it seems to be that the real risk is you know some type of of common vulnerability. That I mean, it seems like. That's what's getting lost. Mm, that's interesting, right? Yeah. So, so the risk, oddly, sadly, the real risk is to be open in a genuine way. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it comes. I mean, funny's funny, but I mean, if you can go to a place or find a place that people are isolated in their own experience with, but it is a common thing, then that has a power to it.
1: Yeah. And you and I actually think in memory, uh, when it's I saw... the same thing. Yeah, there's the laughter of recognition throughout the film. Oh, totally. Film where and, you're just like...
0: <laughs> yeah, I talk about my dad's dementia as, as being... Like I say, my dad was recently diagnosed with dementia, but, you know, so it's still, it's still fun. <laughs> 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 because something happens. A vulnerability happens to people in that condition. Oh, it's beautiful. That's it actually is. what
1: I gave this character more than anything, which is what I kept encountering was... There's something really lovely about somebody who says, "I need help," right? Yeah, and and it's just immediately, it's it's there's almost no one that won't just kind of step in and go, "Yeah, you you asked for it." It's the people that like need help but express it in other ways, right? Yeah. Like they actually right. treat you like shit because they need Sh- help. Yes,
0: you know that's that pride thing.
1: That's that pride thing. Yeah, and so no, I think that that's something that I. I really loved about playing this guy is he's just like, you know, I love the line where he just says, like, I remember I'm, I'm having a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. Like, in the 11th hour, the guy finally says, you know, yeah. I'm having a hard time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because it, it becomes undeniable. It becomes undeniable. Yeah. There, there are certain moments in that movie that are just, they were, just must have been crazy to play. Like when she accuses you at the beginning and yeah. you had to just flatline it, like no, I don't. I don't
1: yeah, but in the end, somebody's like, and no, and you did this,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I, that's an interesting. I, there's,
1: there's no way out of it, I guess, other than to say yes, right? And now I'll okay,
0: and then it goes away. See, that's the weird thing about someone when you deal with a parent or somebody who has it, and you have a history with them that may or may not be good, and and. You know, if you have issues with your parents at a certain age, you know, it behooves you to process them. Yeah. Because if you come upon the time where they start to lose the capacity for taking responsibility, which they might not anyways, because it's on you after a certain point. You're not going to change them. Then what do you do with a parent who's sort of like, yeah, I don't remember that. Oh, my God. Right? So your big fight for 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 justice—it's over. Yeah, it's totally—it's over.
1: just over. Well, you know,
0: your folks still alive. I,
1: my folks are still alive. I I don't know if I'm still fighting for justice, but um, yeah, my folks are still alive. But they they I changed my name slightly when I was twenty,
0: so you wouldn't be yep, confused old. with the the large. Sarsgaard, no, no, no. I didn't of, acting family. I
1: didn't take out a K, <laughs> but I changed my name, and it's actually slightly different than my parents. So my par- how many versions of Sarsgaard are there? There's a lot of versions of Sarsgaard because you know it was changed when people came over. Is here it anyway. Swedish? It's Danish. Danish, yeah. So they spell it a different way, yeah. and um, and it's made it so that they're really not in my uh, world of acting at all. Like some people have their parents come to premieres yeah. and things like that. My parents don't do that. My parents are. From my dad is from a town that is called West Point, Mississippi. Yeah. It's on the border with Alabama.
0: Oh, the and good while, part.
1: Yeah. While he has always traveled all over the place, my dad is a very cultured person. He talks about the first time he ever tried German beer and stuff like that. I mean yeah. he he woke up to the bigger world, this guy.
0: Well it sounds like it. He, he was a, a corporate executive, right?
1: Yeah, of some kind. Yeah. And he um <laughs> I don't know exactly what he did, to be yeah. honest. But then um, I do think that there's always the small town guy yeah. in him. And actually, that's part of my dad that I really like. Yeah. And I don't think he's in, he wants to be a part of anything bigger
0: or, you know? Yeah. And you're an only child? I'm an only child, yeah. So and, it, does that... I don't even – like I, I always get kind of uh, – That
1: just means you can't turn to someone and be like, our mom and dad as crazy as I think they are. Right. It's all – you're just tripping on your own perceptions because you have no one to back them up either way.
0: But they provided – they were grounded people?
1: Uh No. But <laughs> – <laughs> we don't need to get into that. They were definitely not grounded people. Um no, no. Because you no. seem kind of – No, 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 no. Grounded? Uh, I think because I'm somebody who's – I think of myself as somebody who's good in an emergency. Let's put it that sure. way. But I'm also someone who For creates – a whole life. Yeah, but I'm also somebody who creates emergencies so I can be good in an emergency. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like I took my kids cross-country skiing in Vermont. We have a little place in the woods. It's like yeah. a shack. And we live in the National Forest. So there's a gate you know, that you can't drive through. I parked near that gate. It's in the middle of nowhere. We're going to go cross-country skiing. We go. I time it so that when we get back, the sun is going down. Yeah. The temperature is about to drop 20 degrees. and yeah. go well below zero. Yeah. Go to the truck. Locked the keys in the car.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> so now it's a, We're in the middle
1: of nowhere. We've been skiing for hours. These are small children. They're exhausted. I'm a little bit like um, Captain Fantastic, the Bill yeah. Mortensen character sure. with my kids. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well- we're going to ski for another couple of hours until we get to Tom's house. And no one's going to stop because we're not going to die of hypothermia. Yeah. And you can cry, but you're just going to keep moving. I mean, like, like why? Why, Dad? Yeah. Did they do it? <laughs> they did it. They did it. But they, we came up to this guy, Tom's Place, who's lovely, lovely yeah. guy out there. But a hermit. Yeah. Knock on the door. He's like, you know, said, I need to borrow your car. Drive back home yeah. to get my other set. Of, he's like, just take the car. You know, I kept his car.
0: But isn't that moment weird where you realize, like, there's more at stake than inconvenience?
1: Oh, yeah. I was actually, like— Terrified. Yeah, but I I just click into a different mode. I'm also—my family knows that I'm, for some reason, frequently a first responder to bicycle accidents in Brooklyn, of which we have so many. People I've, texting and hitting people? <laughs> I saw a guy. I saw a guy die in Brooklyn. I was the first responder there. I put my coat over somebody that died. I saw a guy, a f- fireman, smoking a joint, riding his bike. I was like, that guy's smoking a joint while riding his bike down a very, yeah, boom, no, f- goes off the bike, massive head injury. Oh you my know. god!
0: I don't know why. I'm. It's, it's are you like... <laughs> the, Are you listed as a first responder for specifically bike accidents, or are you just
1: there? I. I I only know what to do from a little bit of Boy Scouts.
0: <laughs> but why Why does it happen with bike accidents? And you just happen to be around? You know, or you I'm a very – I don't
1: – here's the thing. I <laughs> yeah. don't look at my phone very much yeah. when I'm walking around. Everybody yeah. else is texting sure. and I don't think people are looking at each other. Yeah. So maybe my head is up. Yeah. You know, that might be it. Wow. You know, I think a lot of people are like Mr. Magoo in the world these days. And there's just like – All sorts of crazy shit happening behind them that they're not even aware of.
0: It's a little odd that when you start to think about, you know, perception and, you know, how easily the brain is hijacked almost completely by these devices.
1: Oh, I think we're in real... I mean, (laughs) living in New York and just looking at the subway...
0: It's so sad. There's
1: nobody looking at each other. What are we doing?
0: (laughs) But that's a type of isolation. I I think that it has to be kind of reframed like that that if you're sitting among people you know in that in the phone you're isolated yeah (laughs) it's a very odd thing there's some sort of major transition happening in a lot of ways right now i think
1: well i think in terms of movies also people go like oh you know memory is kind of like a movie geared toward adult viewers not teens yeah so why aren't you guys on streaming first and i'm like Partly because even an adult, if this were streaming in their home, would be multitasking on their phone, which you can't do with this. And there's the group experience of all, like I said before, unison. I've been going to a lot of movies. Yeah. It's, lately. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And uh, I was really glad that they made the choice to do that with this film because this one certainly could have been... I think people might have made more money had we just gone to a streamer.
0: Yeah. But I think it seems like it's kind of... A little bit vital again I, I don't know if it's you know bouncing back necessarily but i think we're in sort of a situation in terms of people's need for escape that is is it's it's big yeah but like i've been going to see a lot of films lately and it's a good experience i i like imax a lot i'm really really <laughs> into imax i mean it's it's so intense. But it's, but it's really, that is the, the, the that's how big movies were when we were kids. Yeah, it's like an event. All, but all movies were that big a screen. Yeah, that's right. You, you know, it's not really, it, you know, it's not some sort of amusement park ride other than the sound, but the yeah. screens are actually the size it was when movie theaters were one theater. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So to me, it's sort of like, this is the way you're supposed to see them.
1: Well, you talk about, there's a theater in St. Louis in University City where I saw so many movies. And um it's like where I saw Bad Lieutenant.
0: <laughs> wow. That's what, uh, you want to see that big. <laughs> <laughs> Just Him sitting there jerking off outside the car. <laughs>
1: I like it when he's in the church. Actually, my acting teacher is holding his hand in the scene in the church where he's kind of making that crazy noise. He's going like. Um, <laughs> but I I think of like. All the films that I saw in that movie theater, including including crazy ones like that. And it was like a big old school yeah. theater. Yeah, you it's know? great. I love it. I saw 9 to 5 there in the corner looking up at a crazy
0: angle. Yeah, you know? big Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Huge. Yeah, I just went to see, uh, what did we see? I saw that new Nicolas Cage movie, Dream Scenario.
1: Oh, I'm curious about that. It's great. Yeah.
0: It, it speaks to some of what we're talking about in terms of um, losing control, like when when something goes viral, mm-hmm. it's really a, a, a satire about that, right? And the conceit is Sorry. this schlubby college professor just for no reason that anyone can understand starts showing up in half the world's dreams.
1: That's kind of cool. It's good.
0: Yeah, it's good.
1: I I. Wish I were sent the scripts that he sent. I, I look at, like, some of the stuff he does. I'm like, where did this pig one come from?
0: <laughs> that pig one was great.
1: Yeah. He's, he's, I've always really, really liked him. You I have mean, to. For me, my kids actually said, uh, oh, here's another one. My yeah. kids the other day said, what uh, movie should we watch tonight, dude? Yeah. And I was like, Moonstruck. Oh, really? They'd never seen Moonstruck. Yeah. Come on.
0: They took my hand.
1: <laughs> 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 or uh Birdie. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Birdie. Yeah. And he turns around. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Beautiful. I. I love. You know. Maybe it's nostalgia, but some of those. Those types of movies from then that were like. I guess they were a lot of them were like kind of studio movies, and we weren't like. They indie weren't quite films. indie. No. Yeah. Right. But they were. A movie for young people that is not pandering. It it gave them a little bit more or respect or yeah. shallow, yeah. you know. There wasn't just like a hook song and yeah, some yeah. product placement, yeah, yeah. you know.
0: So what do you think about this idea of uh, your view of competition? Because like, it seems like your career is deliberate mm-hmm. in terms of what you do and what you don't do.
1: Oh, yeah, fully. And I have a wife that that works and has her own thing, and sure. we work together. So. Yeah, no, I
0: thought that was good, the, the, that Lost Daughter movie was. And I'm going to be in her next one, which starts in
1: March. Which How's the is, part? It's really good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's better than the other one. Yeah. Um, I was like, wait, which which part, honey? <laughs> um, yeah. No, and it's nice to have somebody who's so productive and creative and inspiring around all the time, because, you know, the thing about being an actor is, you know, you're just sort of like, Looking at other people's stuff all the time, and
0: it's hard. I think it's
1: hard to find something that really resonates with you. And I can take my time a little bit more now because you know somebody else's.
0: Well, you're both working, but it doesn't seem like you. Because I talked to Crudup too, no. and the, you know there are decisions made about you know risking the failure of leading madness.
1: Oh yeah, well I, that's that's <laughs> that's for young people. Yeah, <laughs> that's for. I the thing about leading men that I really miss and it's not because I'm well maybe it's also because I'm like this but like you know if Elliot Gould showed up today yeah. he would not be considered a leading man because he doesn't have a six pack. Yeah. You know that this or like a certain haircut yeah. or you know and I my type of leading man was I guess a little bit smushed, a little uh-huh. bit different. Yeah, not not just like a guy who was sure. walking down the street where you're like, whoa. Oh yeah. I remember someone once told me like, leading men don't apologize, and what? I thought, okay, um, you know, because I, I was try- I was saying, what is a leading man? Doesn't apologize is you know everything comes to them.
0: Well, who um, are they? You know, because like some of them like, and also there's movie starness, which is sometimes different than regular acting.
1: Well, movie star acting, the relationship between the actor and the audience is stronger than between the actor and the other actor. Right? Like so
0: But you think consciously when they're working?
1: I'd almost think consciously when they're working. Like the type of actor that acts over your shoulder when they hug you into camera. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not for you right like if if acting is doing to another actor to try to get what you want like we're working like that yeah and then i hug you and the camera's over your shoulder and i'm like i don't like this hug (laughs) that's for the audience right (laughs) and there are a lot of actors that do that constantly but extremely well yeah and i actually you know that's that's some old school acting right that's like lots of clark gables and people like that did it before where the relationship is like they're not winking at the audience; they're speaking
0: directly to the audience. They know almost. their movie movie starness, but there's a yeah. couple of movie stars that can. It's really good when you see them actually do the job, and yeah. you're like, because they can't uh, avoid themselves. No. I mean, that's why they are what they are. But like Pitt and Clooney, they can do the job totally. Actually, <laughs> most of the guys now can. Tom I think. Cruise and Magnolia. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Right. He like, like he can. But Drop not, thunder, but yeah, but not Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible because he's doing the different thing. He yeah, yeah, yeah. he's actually able to go like oh, I'll do this one, I'll do that one, which is nice. I, mean, I think
0: Tom Cruise is like I think his great gift is when he has to, uh, you know, f- you know, focus on doing a thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know whether, <laughs> whether it's you know uh, you know Mission Impossible style or the even The Firm. The Firm that's a great
1: movie. That is a great movie. And actually, when I worked with Tom Cruise, it on of, what. Uh, the night, 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 something. (laughs) The night and day,
0: night Night and day. Night and day. Yeah, it was right there. That's a tough one, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, I mentioned to him at one point, I, I said, you know, it's people love watching you run in a movie. Oh, yeah. Right? Like you're, and I said, I don't know that you've done that in this movie yet. It might have been already scheduled. But like two days later, he was running behind a pickup truck with the and car, and that's why accident. born on the Fourth of
0: July was such a tremendous risk for him
1: <laughs> because he wasn't running.
0: <laughs> he could not run.
1: Well, it's because the running and the firm is so. Every, the movie is so high octane. That movie, it's just like they I They took that law. They took law. I love it and made it like an action movie. I love it. Yeah. I love
0: that movie. It's one of those ones. It's it's not even a guilty pleasure. I think that I think Sidney Pollock actually directed. He that. directed it. Yeah. And then there's the other one, the other Grisham book. That's a Coppola movie, which is The Rainmaker, with Matt Damon and Claire Danes, which is crazy good. Oh, really? I've never seen that one. It's great. Really? Danny no. DeVito, Mickey Rourke, Matt Damon, Claire Danes, Mary Kay Place. Awesome. I mean, it's a crazy movie. I love Danny DeVito. Oh yeah, he's great. But uh, but and I'm and I'm a huge uh, like I watch Michael Clayton like three or four times a year. Well, that's a great film. That's yeah, a great these film. are grown up movies. I
1: would love to be in a film like those you know I've always I've always, I've you always been, wanted to be so many in movies dude I've been in a lot of movies but I've never been in a movie where I'm running down the street with the gun in my hand after the you know what I mean like trying to catch the perp and it goes on for a long time And I you want out one window of those and I, not for the whole movie you know because in, in the Grisham one it's not like you're doing Born Identity where the whole thing yeah. is like that I just want one that is interspersed with some action sure it'd be a fun day at work you yeah. know
0: well, I mean, I remember the movies uh, like, the the ones that made you famous. Like, I think that still, because of Boys Don't Cry, yeah. uh, I still look at you apprehensively. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My wife has this story about Boys Don't Cry, where she was with her boyfriend at yeah. the time when she saw that. And he was convinced that they had hired, like, a deliverance-type actor, like, where they got the guy who was actually doing it. And... um my wife was like no that's that's an actor. I'm sure that's an actor, and she said it was like an actual argument and then uh and then we got together not long after that, a couple of maybe two years yeah. after that and i I think what's strange about that role I was telling this to another actor recently, as I said, you know sometimes you do a role where you get a lot of like female attention mm. from it. Sure. It's like the sexy guy that yeah. you played. Yeah. For some reason. That guy? That guy. Yeah. People were, you know, I got like a couple of calls from agents. I mean, it was it was like a strange situation huh. where I thought, why do people like
0: this guy? Well, a, well, I mean, there's <laughs> women who marry people in jail. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. So I got those people. <laughs> and then, like, then it it, feel, it feels like it sort of turned around, like, I think Shattered Glass, you played, like, a non-menacing kind of guy?
1: Yeah, no, somebody who was just sort of bending over backward to try to explain what yeah. was an apparent lie in front of him all the time. Yeah. I loved that about that character. I mean, that, because... The movie – every movie changes when it gets cast, right? Mm -hmm. It's one movie on the page, one movie when it gets cast. When that movie got cast, I was like, so I know that this guy is lying on some level. You know, because Hayden's not like playing it like he's not lying. Right. It's just that the lie is this big, right? Yeah. And I just need to give him room to come out with it and we'll deal – oh, the lie's a little bigger. Oh, the lie's a little bigger.
0: But well, your instinct is to protect the the publication and protect yeah, him. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's, yeah. it's going to come out. Yeah. I'm going to have to walk him through it. Right. And in order for this lie to come out, it's going to be like some weird long process. Yeah. Um. But that said, that character did not get me any female attention. That is not <laughs> <laughs> a character.
0: But also, you, you're always sort of like, you're one of those character actors. Do you mind that heading? I don't even really
1: know what it means. I well, think it I just mean, means I look different and talk different and act different.
0: Well, it means that you're, it's a lot of supporting roles, right?
1: It's a lot of supporting roles. Yeah, for sure.
0: So you're like the guy like, hey, there he is. Totally.
1: <laughs> yeah. And um, there's, a, there's a real, I take real pride in supporting other actors. I think it's like, um, I think I hit the ball back pretty hard. You know, what's tough is when you're the head of the company, you're the one that everybody cows right, to. Right. And you're coming in for a week. And you have to not only show up and deal with your own anxiety, but but carry that, the way it, Yeah, you know, that's I, that I don't love.
0: <laughs> What's well, always hard when you just in life, if you have a public-facing personality, to uh, you know keep the frightened, anxious child oh. who's there at bay. Because there are moments where I do stand up, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to win. I, don't, I think I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, my wife always says that about me. Whenever yeah. I get in front of people talking, I end up weeping a you little do? bit. Yeah. yeah, because it's an emotional experience to stand in front of people and try to say the truth. You know? And if you're really about the truth and following the truth all the time, it's uh it can be kind of harrowing and and yeah. and and I, I'm not actually somebody who's a natural performer, I would say. Yeah. I'm not like, um, was never the first to raise my hand in class. Yeah. I I, I didn't act growing up. Yeah. Unless they made me. Yeah. You know, they like cast me as Linus in Charlie Brown play because yeah. I, they made me. Because you didn't talk much? Because <laughs> I didn't talk much. <laughs> and I didn't talk much in school and I was not a guy who had a lot of friends. And then... As I became an actor, it's sort of, I guess it made me more gregarious. But I still am like, why do I have to receive the award just because I've been given it? Yeah. You know, like, isn't it, could the honor be, you get the award so you don't have to say anything. Yeah, The people who didn't get the awards, they have to explain why they didn't get it or something.
0: (laughs) Well, no, I think it'd be funny if you got the award and you were in the audience and you just went.
1: (laughs) Have you ever seen Merritt Weaver win the uh, Emmy she won the Emmy. Yeah. She gets up, she stands behind the podium for a minute. She's not saying anything, and she just goes, "Thank you." Yeah,
0: walks <laughs> off. Now, but what's it like being like you? You're a, an acting family, but you know Maggie's directing and everything. Yeah, but you seem very like she seems like a live wire, dude.
1: My wife, yeah. she's like I'm a like, very, very focused person. Yeah, she's like the type of person where you know, listen. At her worst, yeah. you would be saying like, and so I was thinking maybe we should get the car repainted. And she'll go, but do you think when he goes into the store, <laughs> instead oh, right, of, right. you know, and yeah. you're like, wait, what? Okay. Oh, no, we're still on the.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 We're
1: doing the thing. Yeah. Because when she gets into working on something, it is like living. her, It is in her mind in some way all the time. Yeah, yeah. But this yeah. is because she's now writing, directing, the whole shebang, producing. How do, you,
0: do your approaches to acting, are they similar?
1: Uh, they're very compatible. Yeah. Um, we've acted together on stage quite a bit. I always tell her. (laughs) I sometimes have these moments when I'm on stage with her. Have you seen the movie Opening Night? Yeah. So, and there's this moment in Opening Night where Jenna Rollins turns to John. They're on stage, and she goes, "John, you're such a good actor." (laughs) And I used to tell her I was like someday That's I'm good. telling you that I'm gonna do that. Like <laughs> yeah. when we're doing Chekhov or something, yeah. I'll just in front of everyone I'll just say it. And so now <laughs> she, I am somebody who does things like that. So she actually is nervous about nervous it. about it that I'm gonna do it one day. <laughs>
0: and do you is like Jake active part of the family? Yeah,
1: yeah. He's, he's Uncle Jake. He, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I've acted with more members of the family than anybody else. Yeah. So I've even, my mother-in-law directed a movie. Yeah. I did a day for her. What was that? Uh, Very Good Girls. And uh, with Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. And uh, Dakota Fanning. But here's the thing. So I do that for my mother-in-law. Yeah. I haven't read the script really. You yeah, know, I'm, yeah. She's asking me to do it for a day. I go in and I realize I'm supposed to have sex with Dakota. <laughs> In front of my mother-in-law. And this is like a young girl. So what I do is, this is called acting experience, yeah. an experienced actor. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on top of you. Don't be on mine. I'll kiss you. Then I'm going to drop out of frame. Yeah, I'm going to be doing something south, but I'm not going to be. I'm going to be over having a coffee. Yeah. You're going to make faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, that's what we're doing. That's so a, that's what we did. You restructured it. I restructured it yeah. so that she could have her experiences by herself and I yeah. wouldn't have to be there. Um so, yeah, I've worked for her. I've worked with Jake few three times. times maybe. What was that one? Rendition? Rendition, Jarhead. jarhead. Um, this one that he did, I don't even know the name of it. The one, the ambulance one that Antoine oh, yeah. directed. We did it all from our houses with microphones because he's, nine, he's the, the 911 guy. The dispatch guy? Dispatch guy. And yeah. we're calling in and so we did the call, like, Ethan Hawke would be in his house on a microphone. I'm in my house. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah. It was. What was that one called? That one is Guilty. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guilty. It's a Netflix thing. Yeah. And uh, then I did this, just did this TV show with him, Presumed Innocent, this last spring. It's coming out in I guess, June, probably. He seems like a nice guy. Jake is a nice guy. Jake is I a fantastic uncle. yeah. I mean, he's like, it makes me wish I could be an uncle. I, I'm never going to be an uncle, probably, but, you know, well, he's got to get to
0: work. Yeah. Um, Don't but... count him out. <laughs> yeah. He'll eventually settle down.
1: I love the idea of being an uncle. It's like you come in, you've been like in Africa or something, you know, you've got cool trinkets yeah, that you got you can everybody.
0: Go. Then you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great talking to you, man.
1: Oh, it was such a pleasure talking to you.
0: And uh, I, I really liked the movie. I found it uh I didn't know what to expect at all. I had no idea what I was watching. That's the way to go into every movie. You, you know? have to. Like, I tell people, like, um, you know, I didn't get to see it in a movie theater. And maybe I'll, I'll bring my girlfriend and we can go see it again because I'd like to. Yeah. But, but like, I was just, you know, on the road. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be talking to him. I'm like, yeah, watch this. And so I had no idea what it was about. That's beautiful. And it was crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah. And, like, yeah.
0: after that scene in the park where she lays that well, on you, think I'm that's- like— I'm like what the fuck is this movie?
1: Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't that movie. Oh yeah. Because if it had been that movie
0: I mean, I just didn't want to be in that that movie. <laughs> well, I but but I just think that the, the the balance of the 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 idea of memory in general. Yeah. You know, where you have a, a chronic illness, a degenerative illness, you know, versus a traumatized Heart and mind. Yeah, it's kind of interesting about what it says about how people process memory and how absolutely the, and how they change. Yeah, yeah. And
1: here's the thing that you know I've been um, kind of surrounded by people who are victims of trauma in, yeah. in my life, as I'm sure many of us have. And um, a lot of times, for instance, one person I'm thinking of in particular. She experienced the worst trauma that you could imagine. Yeah. And things that happen to her in the present, she tends to recreate that experience. And, it, and people will be like, I think she's full of shit, actually, about what happened because I was there and that's not actually what happened. And I'm like, yeah, but that's normal because no one's listening to her about the thing that actually did happen. Yeah, so everything opens so, the door. So everything opens the door and she's like... Listen to me. Yeah. And you're like, but, uh, but you're, that's not exactly what happened. Yeah, but listen to me. You know, that's like that, what I said before. Words are such a small part of the way we communicate with each other. And if we could all just sort of like try to listen to
0: what someone's actually putting out versus what they're yeah, saying. Give them a shot at processing it. That's why yeah. you have like EMDR and stuff now. Is 100%. That? Because your brain, if you don't integrate the trauma, you know, will relive it at almost any given opportunity if it's triggered. 100%. And that's why like, that's the Chastain character. That's 100 Yeah, exactly. Did you watch that Tim Blake Nelson movie, Old Henry? Yes. I tell people to watch it, but like, don't read about it. No. Because the twist is the best. It's the best.
1: It, I see everything that he's in. It, Tim is someone I've known for a long time. and uh, Did you know him in Oklahoma? No, you two. Didn't know him in Oklahoma, but we do connect over Oklahoma. Oh, sure. Um, and we also connect over music. I'm very into a lot of the same we're both really into music I read his novel it was great wasn't that good it was good man yeah I read it too I got it when I was like looking at colleges with my daughter and I saw it at one of the bookstores I didn't know what to
0: expect but I'm like this is some Hollywood shit I didn't even know he had
1: written a novel until I was just like killing time as we're looking at some school and I went oh
0: I love Hollywood books yeah me too good talking to you good talking to you I love that guy I love talking to him. I like meeting him uh, again. Memory opens in New York and Los Angeles on December 22nd nationwide on January 5th. Hang out for a minute. Will you people? Hey, folks, this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex ultra soft tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know, all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show. Well, actually you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing, but take my word for it. People definitely sneeze in here. And when they they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. It was almost five years ago to the day we posted my interview with Peter's wife, Maggie Gyllenhaal. This is episode 976 from December 12th, 2018.
2: I also had a little tiny little scene like that in another movie they made together where I came in and said one line actually on my birthday uh-huh. when I was like 16.
0: Which, which movie was, it was that?
2: Called uh, A Dangerous Woman.
0: And they wrote that together? Or they did it together? My mom
2: wrote it and my dad directed it.
0: Is that what led to the divorce? I
2: think actually, truly, (laughs) it might have had something to do with it. No kidding. They really didn't work well together, my parents.
0: Oh, that's that's sad. I guess you learn something about people when you work with them. You know, like when you're in it.
2: It's so interesting, actually, because... I really work well with my husband.
0: That's uh, Peter Sarsgaard.
2: Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. yeah, we we act. We you guys are together. great
0: actors uh, separately and together. When did you act together?
2: We did two plays together oh. uh, in New York, two Chekhov plays, and it was like we fought sometimes for sure, but it was also like heaven. It was yeah. really. He's an amazing actor. Yeah, he is. And just to be on stage with him, you're like, okay, this is going to be fun, whatever it is. Right. You
0: can listen to that now wherever you're listening to this episode. Maybe
2: you can hear
0: that I was. Now that you know where my head was at and what I did, maybe you can hear the undercurrent of my faking and then realizing that I blew it on that episode to get all WTF episodes ad-free plus weekly bonus episodes. Sign up for WTF plus at the link in the episode description or go to WTFPod.com and click on WTF plus guitar time, you know, the chords I know the cat angels everywhere.